No state has enacted anything quite like BIPA yet, though there, we saw quite a few imitators get introduced in state legislatures, especially the Northeast in 2021, and we expect to see more in 2022. Welcome to Shikardi and Bacon's podcast series, exploring legal and business issues impacting national and global companies. This is one of our chats about biometric privacy issues featuring attorneys from Shikardi and Bacon, recognized by Law360 as Practice Group of the Year in Privacy and Cybersecurity for 2021. I'm Yara Rashad, an attorney in Shook Chicago office. I'm joined today by two of my colleagues who focus on a very quickly growing area of law, biometric privacy and in particular, the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. Aaron Hines is a business litigation attorney with Shook in Chicago with a focus on class action defense and compliance under BIPA. Matt Wolf, also in Chicago, focuses on commercial litigation, including class actions involving BIPA claims. Aaron and Matt, welcome. Thank you, Yara. Thank you, Yara. Matt, what kind of impact has BIPA had on companies doing business in Illinois? I know several of Shook's BIPA cases have been pointed out as ones to watch by Law 360. Well, BIPA, which was enacted in 2008, in the last five years or so, has led to a massive increase in class actions filed in Illinois against companies doing business in Illinois. Uh, The class actions cover all types of different biometrics commonly used by companies from finger scan time clocks to hand scans, face scans used for security and other purposes and all kinds of other things. And there's a lot of creative theories out there. The The first thing to know about BIPA is that it regulates a private entity that collects or is in possession of biometric identifiers or biometric information as defined by BIPA. So for BIPA to apply it all first, you have to be collecting or in possession of the specific biometric identifiers or biometric information defined by the statute. And it does not outlaw the use of biometrics. It just requires companies to have a policy governing their use of biometrics and to have appropriate notice and consent procedures in place. The reason that's led to so much litigation is because it provides a private right of action, which means that individuals can sue directly for alleged failures to comply with BIPA. And the reason that it's gotten even bigger is because these cases are almost always filed as class actions. And in 2019, the Illinois Supreme Court ruled in a case called Rosenbach versus Six Flags that to state a claim under BIPA, all plaintiff needs to do is allege the terms of the statute were violated. They don't have to allege any other injury like an actual misuse of their biometrics or a data breach or anything else like that. All they have to allege is something like the collector or possessor of biometrics did not have a 100% perfect policy in place. And then based on those technical violations of the statute, the plaintiffs seek on behalf of all of their putative class members liquidated damages, which are allowed under the statute of $1,000 or $5,000 per violation of BIPA. Those damages can be awarded in the court's discretion. There are no cases that have gone to trial yet, but there are a lot of settlements out there. And the $1,000 and $5,000 are important markers for case value and settlement purposes. And the damages add up 
really quickly if you take $1,000 per violation and multiply it across a class of 100 or 1,000 or 5,000 or even more individuals. I know, I know there have been some landmark rulings and decisions involving BIPA in 2021, and there are some key rulings ahead in 2022. I understand that, Aaron, you had one of those landmark 2021 rulings in the Fernandez v. Carey case. Can you tell us a little bit about that case? Sure, Yara. In Fernandez v. Carey, Shook represented the defendant, Carey Incorporated. The case was decided in September of 2021. The Seventh Circuit held that BIPA claims brought by a unionized employee are preempted by the Labor Management Relations Act. Fernandez affirmed what had already been established by the Seventh Circuit in another Shook victory, Miller versus Southwest Airlines, and that is that the collection of biometric data in the workplace is a working condition that is a subject of negotiation between the union and the employer. Uh, As a result, pursuant to the broad language in the Management Rights Clause of the Collective Bargaining Agreement, BIPA claims are preempted. The meaning of this ruling that BIPA claims brought by a plaintiff who is a unionized employee are preempted by the Labor Management Relations Act means that those claims cannot be brought in court and must be brought through the grievance and and arbitration process agreed to between the union and the employer. This is important because it takes away the class action vehicle and forces these claims to be individually arbitrated if they can be brought at all under the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. Now, Fernandez v. Carey and Miller v. Southwest, those were in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. I understand this particular issue is currently on appeal in the Illinois state courts as well. Can you tell us a little bit about those appeals? Yes. Well, the appeal is Walton v. Roosevelt University. The case addresses the same issue that was addressed in Fernandez. So far, the state trial courts have generally refused to apply the reasoning the federal courts have applied to these claims. But the Illinois Supreme Court precedent provides that when federal courts uniformly interpret a federal law, the state courts should follow the federal courts unless the federal courts are acting outside of logic and reasoning. Fernandez is not outside of logic and reason. And we believe that the Illinois appellate court should follow it. This issue is going to be argued in front of the appellate court in Walton Walton v. Roosevelt University on February 8th. I understand another hot topic issue on appeal right now is the statute of limitations issue. Matt, I understand there are statute of limitations issues that are currently on appeal in Illinois courts. Uh, What is the status of those cases? Thanks, Yara. There are a few different cases that are currently on appeal in the Illinois state courts. The statute of limitations is a really important issue for BIPA claims because obviously it affects whether a plaintiff can bring a claim. It also affects the size of potential classes. In BIPA, 
does not contain a statute of limitations within it. So when that's the case in Illinois, what you do is you look to an other analogous statute, statutes of limitations and see if one applies. Our firm and others have argued that there are two specific statute of limitations periods that could apply and, and should apply in our opinion, one, one of the two. One is the one-year statute of limitations for privacy claims. The other is the two-year statute of limitations for personal injury claims. Many trial courts have instead adopted a five-year catch-all statute of limitations that Illinois uses when there's no, nothing really analogous. And in a really important ruling in late 2021, the Illinois Appellate Court for the First District, which is Cook County, Illinois, Chicago, issued sort of a mixed opinion on this. It applied a one-year statute for certain claims and a five-year statute for others. This is a, a really interesting opinion, and it's sort of a minor victory for um, BIPA defendants because before this opinion, which is called Tim's versus Black Horse Carriers, most trial courts had applied the five-year catch-all statute. And the defendant in Tim's has appealed to the Illinois Supreme Court, which has discretion to take the appeal, but doesn't have to. So that request to appeal is still pending as of the date we're recording this, January 18, could be decided soon. And if the Illinois Supreme Court takes it, which it may, um, the statute of limitations issue will be there this year. If the Illinois Supreme Court does not accept that appeal, it's likely to end up there soon anyway. It's an important issue. It's a recurring issue that we see a lot. There's another appeal that our firm is handling called Marion versus Ring Container Technologies, which is pending in a, the third district court of appeals, which is south of Chicago. And that appeal involves similar issues to Tim's, not exactly the same, but um, the issue is the correct statute of limitations as applied to the claims in the ring container case, which are a little different than the claims in the Tim's case. So I think we will see that that issue getting to the Illinois Supreme Court somehow in the next year or two, and that it'll be interesting to see them weigh in. There's also a related issue that is already in front of the Illinois Supreme Court, and that is when BIPA claims accrue. And the question there is, how, is when do you start counting the limitations period? The first district issued an opinion in a case called Watson versus Legacy earlier this year. But shortly after that, a different case, Cothron versus Whitecastle, was certified to the Illinois Supreme Court by the Seventh Circuit. What that means is that the Whitecastle case is in front of the Illinois Supreme Court right now, and that any impact of the opinion in the Watson case is going to be blunted by what happens in Whitecastle. Whitecastle involves a claim by a Whitecastle employee who had been using finger scan technology since 2004 at Whitecastle and didn't file suit until 2018. So in Whitecastle, even if the five-year statute of limitations applies, if her claims accrued the first time she used that finger scan technology or the first time she used it after BIPA was enacted in 2008, then her claims are too late, even under the five-year statute. The plaintiff's bar and, and her lawyer there are arguing that the claims accrue every time she scanned her finger, even though the conduct was the same over and over again. So that case is going to be briefed. Our firm represents White Castle. That case will be briefed in the first half of 2022. could be decided by the end of the year. It's an important case because it impacts statute of limitations and also because it could have significant impact on how we think about what constitutes a BIPA violation and how to count violations. If every time someone scans their finger is a new violation, 
the damages potentially are a lot higher than they are if only the first time when you first lose control of your biometrics allegedly is a violation. So this could have a really big impact on damages, settlement, whether cases go to trial, and of course also when claims accrue and how they are timely brought. So we have arbitration issues on appeal, the statute of limitations issue, this accrual issue. Are there any other key decisions expected in 2022? Yes, there is one more, Yara. And this case has the potential to have a significant effect on the BIPA cases pending right now. And that is McDonald versus Symphony. In that case, the Illinois Supreme Court is addressing whether BIPA claims are preempted by the Illinois Workers' Compensation Act. The decision in this case could significantly impact literally hundreds of pending BIPA cases that were filed by employees against their employer. That decision is expected in the first term of 2022. And other things we're starting to see more and more of, and we'll see some appeals in 2022, are additional parts of the statute getting litigated. A lot of focus has been on the workers' compensation argument in McDonald, statute of limitations issues, and what is an injury under BIPA so far. But we're starting to see things like exclusions to the statute get litigated. And there are two cases on appeal, both of which um, involve Shook. One involves the government contractor exclusion. Shook obtained dismissal of a case against Navy Pier, the Chicago tourist attraction, which is a um, government contractor. They operate on government-owned land in Chicago based on exclusion for government contractors under BIPA. That case is on appeal right now, and we'll, we'll see that get litigated in 2022. The other exclusion is the healthcare exclusion, which has been litigated fairly often involving hospitals, nursing homes, and other users of biometrics for um, patient care and safety. And there's a case called Mosby versus Ingalls Hospital, which has been consolidated with another case against Northwestern Hospital, in which we represent um, Becton Dickinson, a technology vendor. That case is being argued on January 27, and we'll get an interpretation of to what extent the exclusion for healthcare users applies to those kinds of users. Matt, are there other states adopting laws similar to BIPA? Uh, We track privacy legislation across the country. No state has enacted anything quite like BIPA yet. Though we saw quite a few imitators get introduced in state legislatures, especially the Northeast in 2021, and we expect to see more in 2022. And in Illinois, for that matter, there were some efforts last year to amend BIPA itself. Most of those efforts I'd characterize as reform bills um, led by the business community trying to settle down the counting of violations, clarify when claims accrue and how, how long you have to bring a claim and things like that, not trying to eliminate BIPA, but to try to reduce the the litigation risk and the downside that's presenting to companies. Those bills failed. I'd expect to see them introduced again this year, but it's an election year and I'm not too optimistic about them this year. So assuming that BIPA in its current form is here to stay, Erin, do you have any suggestions for how companies can proactively protect themselves from potential BIPA litigation? Sure. The first step is to do a data inventory to identify any place where you're storing or using data 
that could arguably be construed as biometrics. If you are, then you need to evaluate whether you need a BIPA policy and a notice and consent process. This will require a publicly available policy that contains a retention schedule or guidelines for destroying biometric data as required under BIPA. And typically this is on a company's website where the policy is placed. Also a written notice and a signed consent by individual employees to the collection and storage of their biometric data before they're, they're being collected or to have that in place. And a consent to the disclosure or redisclosure of the employee's biometric data. And typically that will be included with the signed consent. Thanks, Erin. Any final thoughts from each of you on BIPA trends in 2022? To me, the big thing is, Erin alluded to this earlier, a lot of cases are stayed pending the outcome of the appeals, especially McDonald, the workers' comp appeal. At some point, those stays are going to get lifted. That will probably be in 2022. And we're going to see a lot of active cases, a lot of issues getting developed and, and more and more decisions on things like What's the appropriate scope of discovery for these cases, class certification in these cases, and fact-specific issues like um, whether you have a valid consent in place, whether you had a valid policy, whether the plaintiff somehow waived their claims, or otherwise if their conduct affects their ability to bring a claim. And I think we'll see more and more decisions on those issues as facts develop in cases and we'll get much more um, clarity and nuance on how this kind of litigation works. As Matt alluded to, fact development is going to be critical. Many of these cases have not progressed past the motion to dismiss stage. And just because a company got hit with a BIPA suit doesn't mean that the case has any merit. It is important for a defendant to get compliant and also to assess the facts, even if there's a situation where compliance might not have been perfect, because these are defenses to these BIPA cases. Well, thank you both very much. Our Chicago BIPA team, led by partner Melissa Siebert, works closely with Shook lawyers across the country to stay on top of changing privacy laws and trends nationwide. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can go to our website and click on the Intelligence tab to subscribe to Shook Alerts on these issues and others. If you'd like more information on this topic, go to the Shook website, shb.com. And a reminder that the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based on advertising. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to be any kind of legal advice. Thank you.